0: Welcome to this week's podcast, Passport 2, where we talk weddings, home and abroad. And I have two gurus in the industry with me. I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. Firstly, Chennai Bakutu of Bai Chennai and Rosie Williams of The Own Studio. Chennai, tell us about yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Chennai Bakutu. I'm the owner of Bai Chennai Events. I plan weddings and parties for stylish clients all over the uk and abroad super rosie hi
2: i'm rosie i'm the co-founder of the own studio which is a contemporary wedding wear label based in london we create sleek laid-back pieces for bridesmaids and brides sort of modern paired-back aesthetic Um, and we usually find us working out of our showroom studio in shoreditch Sleek and laid back. These are key, cool words that I like the sound of. And I
0: I can just give to you at such a stressful time in a couple's life. It's brilliant. Tell me what sparked your love or passion for weddings in the first place? They're not easy to organise.
1: Well, for me, it was basically I love celebrating. I love planning parties. I love hosting parties. My mum was the absolute hostess with the most. Any occasion for joyful celebration, you know, we'd get the good china out. She loved having people over. (laughs) And I, although started my career in the corporate world, I always knew that I wanted to have some kind of creative business and a creative business that, you know, incorporated my love for hosting and for celebrating. And about six, seven years ago, I really started to think about the wedding industry Because what's more joyful a celebration than a wedding, truth be told? Um, And I sort of, you know, I started watching interviews with amazing event planners in general, you know, people who don't just focus on planning weddings, who do focus on planning parties as well. And I realized that actually you could make this into a very good living, combining a passion and a business. So I formally researched the wedding industry in the UK whilst I was still working full time my friends got sick of me talking about how much I wanted to become a wedding planner. And one of them actually asked me to plan her three-day wedding in the countryside. And I loved it so much. Um, You know, her parents, it was very formal. Her parents hired me. There was a contract and everything. And after that experience, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. So I launched Bai Chennai events in 2017, whilst I was still working full-time. Very difficult because obviously starting a business is obviously not easy, whilst also having other responsibilities. But I really found my passion. I found what I enjoy. I found what I'm good at. And uh that's how I'm here today, really, planning luxurious party weddings and parties um for Bai chennai events. That's super,
0: I love I love it. It's just you're absolutely right. It is such a joyous occasion. I still think it's incredibly stressful, but it is a very <laughs> joyous occasion. Um Rosie Bridezillas, anyway. So, do you
2: know what? I think because Our pieces are quite laid back and relaxed. We seem to attract very laid back and relaxed brides, which is amazing. Um, So, yeah, we haven't actually come across that many bridezillas. Obviously, like you say, it is a stressful time. Um, But actually, it's also the best time in someone's life. So, they are just so happy to be talking to you, to be trying on their wedding dress, um, and to be picking an outfit for what hopefully will be the best day of their life um so yeah so very similar to tonight actually i was working in a different industry with my co-founder jess and um we were similar in the sense that we were like we love weddings but actually we were both kind of getting married and we were like we can't find anything that quite hits the spot in terms of what we would want to wear as a kind of modern contemporary woman so we started talking about it all the time in our spare time meeting up after work meeting up at weekends and it just became just this all-consuming passion for us. Uh, so at one point, you know, similar to you, we were like, we are going to need to just switch over and take the plunge. Um, so after sort of years of, you know, evening classes and design school and things like that, we thought, you know what, let's just, let's just do it. But we, know, we know we're passionate about it. We know we've got something here, so let's give it a go. So, yeah, very similar. We've just been able to combine our passion um, and made a business out of it, which is fantastic.
0: That is really fantastic to be able to combine your passion with your living is such a rare opportunity that people don't often grab so congratulations to the both of you that's really wonderful they're very competitive marketplaces the design bridal wear events it's tough especially if you're starting not so long ago and trying to dive into that marketplace how do you stand out in such a crowded space
1: wedding planning particularly is a very saturated market uh, in this in this country um you know all you have to do is go on instagram there are a gazillion wedding planners everywhere the point is as i think that there are also people who don't necessarily do it as a business so some people kind of dabble in in events so for me it's kind of easy because this is my passion, my obsession, the thing that I love and that I do. Therefore, standing out is just about making myself visible, showing my work. Um, you know, with events, it's it's difficult to translate to, to a potential client what the experience of working with Bai Chennai is going to be. So I rely heavily on sort of showcasing my work and um, being visible um, and all of sort of my Social media platforms, etc. Because ultimately, being someone's planner is a it's a relationship business that we're in. You know, we're selling a relationship as much as we're selling our services. We have to like each other because we're going to spend you know a year or so together. Therefore, it's imp- important for me to always show up as myself. You know, show a bit of my personality so that people can sort of make their decision. Start making their decision when they see by Chennai. You know, whether it's in press or you know on my website or whatever it is. And I think that that's something that's really, you know, helped me attract my ideal client, you know, the clients who want to have great big parties, you know, whether that's in scale or budget or whatever it is, but also, you know, want to enjoy themselves. I try and make the experience of planning as enjoyable as the day itself. I'm not one of these clipboard wielding that sort of old school idea of a wedding planner. I really do think that you should enjoy the process as much as the day itself because it's such an investment it's an investment in your time and it's an investment in financially it's an emotional investment so yeah I mean I, I really for me spend a lot of time um, being visible I spend a lot of time trying to demonstrate how different the Baichanaya client journey is from anyone else who's in the market calling themselves a wedding planner.
2: I would, yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think it's it's around having a brand or a business that people can relate to and um, are sort of as just as bought into you as they are actually what what you're selling. And I think although it is such a saturated market out there, I think there is still scope to offer sort of something new and exciting and different. Um, so for us, one of the main things we wanted to do was to be able to give people the confidence to buy their wedding dress online. And I think, you know, a few years ago, people would be like, oh, my God, I'm not buying my wedding dress online. That sounds madness to me. Um, but it's actually amazing how sort of far people have come. And especially over the past year in terms of having that confidence to to try something a bit different that maybe the industry hasn't offered before. Above all, I think you need to just make sure your product is absolutely amazing. I think there are just so many people doing what you're doing, you know, whether that's bridal wear, whether that's events. And, you know, if you can make sure that your product is just incredible from a quality perspective, then that um, will just speak volumes for you and work really well for your brand because, you know, word of mouth in this industry is is so important. So, yeah, I think the main thing for me is trying, still trying to innovate and do something different Um, And also just making sure that what you are providing is of the best quality possible.
0: That's key. I mean, quality across planning and the the product itself that you're going to wear. I completely agree. Timelines. We mentioned this briefly before we jumped on the podcast, but it's so important. And I know that's changed completely now post-COVID and timelines are all over the place. But what's a useful guide? I want to talk about dresses and outfitting and then about the wider wedding planning process.
2: Yes, yeah, so as you say, it has it has just completely flipped on its head in, over the past year. You know, I think historically people have been saying to brides, you need to be buying your dress or booking your dress a year in advance. And I just don't think that's possible anymore. I think both from a, from the COVID world um, and also just from the way people are living their lives now. And um, so for us, one of the main things we wanted to do was to to reduce that timeline and sort of be a bit more agile. So we make all our pieces in London so everything is kind of based just here or just down the road from us in the stu- from the studio. I think one of the things I'd definitely say in terms of timelines to people is to not panic. I think there's quite a lot of scaremongering going on out there where you think, oh, my God, if I haven't got my dress a year out, that's it. I'm going to just have to buy something from off the peg, which just isn't the case. Um, I think it's about just being decisive as soon as you've decided you know what you want get it booked and get going, which I think is actually just a great way to be overall with weddings, and um, which we were talking about before, were not we, tonight? So yeah, I think just be decisive, um, get it booked in as soon as you can, but don't panic because where there's a will, there's a way, I think, especially when you're working with made-to-measure pieces, things that are being made especially for you. We pull in additional seamstresses, we've got a team of people working on rush orders at the moment because ultimately everyone wants to give the bride what they like, what they want
1: absolutely and i think the overall planning journey um because you know that's my job but to look at the you know big picture and make sure that all of those individual elements come together i have to say that because of covid traditional timelines are out the window you would as you said advise couples to start you know looking at their styling or their fashion you know a year out which At the moment, I really think we kind of need to rip up that timeline because the market at the moment, because of postponements, because of regulations, we found that venues are getting booked up because of postponements. Suppliers are getting booked up because they're having to manage clients they had in COVID times and the new clients. So what I would say to anybody right now is, I always say this at the beginning of your wedding planning journey, is just make sure you know what your priorities are and that will guide you. If from the very beginning you are, as a couple, certain of the things that are most important, be that music and entertainment being the number one thing for you, or the venue being the thing that dictates everything for you, or you care about a particular style or, you know, whatever it is, like a a theme decor, whatever it is, be clear on that from the very beginning, because that will help you make very swift decisions throughout the the planning journey, which is important, especially, as I said, in this time of COVID, where we've all had to adapt and be flexible. These timelines, traditional timelines, were kind of ripping them up. We're all having to be flexible, whether that's considering wedding days that we wouldn't have done beforehand, uh, because of availability of venues, or availability of suppliers, you know, thinking outside the box um, in certain things. So traditionally, I would say start as early as possible. I'm not going to give you a timeline and say a year or whatever it is. Start as early as you can. But again, at the very beginning, just be clear on what your priorities are, and that will help guide your um, decision making throughout.
0: That's really helpful to consider. And obviously, we're talking, that the, we're talking about the wedding industry being heavily disrupted in the past year. I want to talk about the small numbers because I think it's still limited and it's opening up, but we're not quite sure where and when. What tips do you have on scaling back your wedding to becoming something more intimate, just as special, of course? Any advice on that?
1: I don't think scaling back, as in reducing numbers, means that you need to compromise on style or any of those things that we talked about before, you know, things that are important to you. Obviously, a lot of this will be guided by government regulations. So, for example, from May 17th, we'll be allowed to have 30 people at weddings. I haven't read the document yet but I don't think receptions are permitted as yet. So dancing, that sort of thing, you can have, um, you know, live performers, the guitarist, strings, etc. But in terms of, you know, the look and feel of your wedding, that atmosphere, the guest experience, all you're doing is bringing it back to 30 people rather than taking it away completely. So all of your styling, all of those styling elements that are important to you, whether it's florals, whether it's decor, you know, you can still have a fabulous dress I'm my first wedding of the year I'm so excited it's on the 27th of May my bride has three dresses she was meant to have a a big wedding a big December wedding we postponed to spring because of venue availability and now she you know she has she's going to wear her three different dresses she's having a civil ceremony first and then a a, a blessing and then we're going to have a, a quite fabulous wedding breakfast she's not going to not have those moments just because she's only having 30 people around the table. That was always one of her wishes and her desires. And she's still going to have that regardless of whether it's 30 people or 200 people. So from a
0: design perspective, in relation to the dress or surroundings, what are your views on themes, colour schemes, any pointers, things to consider? It's that one or two or sometimes three days. And sometimes that decision making process can be quite difficult. Which way do you go? But What do you both advise that couples should consider?
2: So from a fashion perspective, uh, like you say, often, um, especially with destination weddings, you're looking at a few different events over the weekend, which is obviously incredibly exciting. because It means a few different outfits. But what I would say is maybe look at outfits that you can possibly... Rewear over the course of the weekend. So, for example, we do a lot of separates, and um, we do like beautiful tops and skirt combinations. You can also switch this up. So, for example, you could wear the the top on the Friday night dinner, and you know maybe wear it with a pair of amazing trousers. And then the next day, wear this the top with the beautiful skirt that you've you've um, ordered ordered with it for another amazing look. And then on the third day, possibly wear the skirt with another top. You don't have to just have three completely separate outfits for the three different events like we really love the idea of kind of having a bit of a mix and match approach to your wedding wardrobe and it's also obviously a lot more sustainable as well so yeah and I think definitely just have fun with your outfits I think you know often people are like I better not wear this because it might not quite go with the theme of the day and I just think do you know what you're getting married once wear whatever you feel amazing in so that would be my big tip just wear what makes you feel the most amazing version of you 100%
1: uh, I echo that. Um, I have clients who, um, a lot of whom have three-day weddings. So there's a rehearsal dinner or welcome drinks or something on the Friday, then the wedding day, then the recovery brunch on a Sunday. And I love the idea of doing that, the mix and match of whether it's like the pants on the Friday with a different top or whatever it is. I love that from a fashion perspective. From a planning and design perspective, I always say to couples, try not to be too overwhelmed at the beginning by all of the things. So by that, I mean spending endless hours on Pinterest, because if you start at Pinterest and not your own style, you'll find it very difficult to then distill what your style is. So I always say, okay, who are you guys? Like, what's the, you know, the decor like in your house? Where, what are the sort of environments you love to be around? Is it a, you know, the London Edition bar? Is it a particular restaurant? What is it that you, you know, what, what are the colors and the sort of textures that you love? And then I try and incorporate that when I'm sort of designing a wedding with them. And again, I keep coming back to guest experience, which is really important as well. You know, there's no point in having, for me, this is a personal opinion, having flower, you know, installations and arrangements that are so expansive and so over the top that guests can't see each other over the table, for example, that, you know, you can't move around the room without being scared to knock something over. It's all about making sure that your decor enhances the experience. It isn't the experience. You know, the experience is, you know, your friends and family being there for you. So, When it comes to decor, I always say it's great to have those reference points. It's nice to have Pinterest. It's nice to look at Instagram. But ultimately, you know, what is your personal style? What are the things, the colors and the textures and the, you know, the things that you are drawn to as a couple rather than looking outside beforehand, basically? That's really
0: helpful. I love the idea of a recovery brunch, by the way. I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) probably very useful. There's a lot of Bloody Marys. Rosie, you mentioned destination weddings, which I know is on the rise and wonderful thing that I'd like to talk about. What advice, Chennai, can you give on picking your wedding destination?
1: I think there's a misconception that getting married abroad is cheaper and easier. It isn't. Uh, remember that abroad, whichever destination you choose, will involve a different culture, a different language. Oftentimes, where people choose to get married in destination spaces are locations that not many people necessarily holiday in. So again, it's like you don't have those connections on the ground. So I'd just be mindful of that. You know, I think choosing a destination um, space is really important to pick somewhere that obviously has meaning to you somewhere that ideally you've seen before and i know that sounds silly but you'd be surprised at the amount of people who pick a location having never been there before and experienced it and again you need to know that it's easy for people to get to from the airport to whatever it is and as boring as it sounds and taking away from you know, the allure of of you know wonderful beach beaches or whatever it is those are the things that are the most important those are the things that actually make the wedding so if you're picking a location, let's say, you know, Europe, for example, try and pick somewhere where you know that the people at that particular venue have experience dealing with clients from overseas. Preferably an English speaker if you don't speak the language, which is really important because communicating with somebody who um, for whom English is in the first language is a bit of a challenge. I would say, again, just consider time of year as well. There's no point in going abroad if you're going to pick monsoon season in that country. You know, be mindful of those things. Coming back to the logistics, as I said, ensure it's a location that is easily accessible, accessible not just for you, but also for the people who are going to be working on your wedding. If you're having a big production, you want to make sure that suppliers can get there, that it's easy to set up, that there's no restrictions um, for them to be able to you know, produce this wonderful wedding for you.
2: I actually got married uh, in the south of France at my grandma's my grandma's house there. And as much as I love it and know it so well, I, I don't think I'd necessarily thought about some of those things. And I really wish I had. The only way to access it was down a, a single track, um, a very long single track. And um, it did become a bit of a logistical nightmare. So um, I think even though probably is, maybe isn't one of the sexiest things to plan for a wedding. I think transport and sort of accessibility is just so important. And I can think you can kind of get left short a bit if you don't think about those sorts of things. So I think that's a really good tip. And definitely when it comes to dressing as well, it's just factoring, I guess, the weather
0: and all of these different elements for your dresses and your main bridal dress.
2: Exactly. I think... We do say, you know, if you would love a long sleeve and you're getting married somewhere really, really hot, you know, there are ways to make it work by using a really beautiful light fabric. But ultimately, you do need to think about the weather and you do need to think about the weight of the fabric, even if it is short sleeve, going for a really heavy duty fabric because, you know, we've had situations that I've heard of where brides ultimately are just dripping in sweat and their hair's all wet. You don't really want that on your wedding day. So you really do need to think about the weight of the fabric and what you are wearing across the weekend and making sure you're going to feel really comfortable. Yeah, material, gosh, that's such an important thing to think about on the weather, hot cold, all of that stuff. What do you
0: think or what are the
1: elements that make the biggest impact on ambience? So many different elements. But I would say for me, as I said, I I, I keep harping on about it. The space that you choose to invite your friends and family to celebrate with you is so important. And their level of comfort is really important. You want people to not be too squashed together. You want them to not be in a room that is too warm or too cold. You want them to feel welcome. And that welcome to me is things like I love candlelight. I absolutely adore candles on tables. I think if you're in a venue that allows it, because some historic venues, especially in London, don't allow natural candlelight. Things like that can really make a difference. Think about when someone walks into the room, what's the first thing that you want them to experience in your um, reception space and your ceremony as well? You know, Think about you know how you want to lay out your ceremony space. We're doing something really lovely for a wedding this year that's not a traditional sort of Chairs on either side of the aisle, we're doing a vow circle because my client wanted to feel the warmth and the embrace of her guests. So we're sitting sort of in a circle around them when they are saying their vows. You know, little things like that really do make a difference. People feel really involved as part of your wedding. Great food, people always remember the food at weddings, (laughs) always. Do your best within your budget, what you can manage to feed people well. And entertainment. There is not a party without music, I'm afraid. That's my feeling, my absolute feeling. Entertainment should always build throughout the day. And that's how I like to plan weddings. You have got something that's always building to a crescendo. So the dance floor is absolutely lit by the time people get to partying. But throughout the day, there's been, you know, whether it's really simple acoustic guitar or just something keep people interested but also like i said just building up to something towards the end of the day um, so entertainment for me is also really important and that really does make an, a, an impact on sort of look on the on the ambiance and the feel of a wedding Music is so
0: important. I know when I got married it was such a big part of it and building up that process throughout the day from the we had a traditional Indian uh, instrument in the morning and then building up to much bigger and then a moving band and it really got the party started so I completely agree that that's such an essential part of it and there must be an interesting journey for you Chennai with all your clients and the various musical tastes.
1: <laughs> Absolutely and I mean whilst My clients have certain similarities in terms of the style of weddings they want to have, etc. You know, I do find it interesting how different everybody's, you know, personal tastes are when when music is concerned, Um, especially when they're of similar age. So a lot of my clients are sort of in their 30s or whatever. And um, yeah, I mean... Some of them don't have an opinion on music, so they look to me, and I, I find that so strange because I love music. You know, I love particularly live music. So picking music for somebody else is like, oh, the pressure. But yeah,
2: I was absolutely hell bent on having a, um, a a live saxophonist at my wedding, and it just oh, it just absolutely blew up the dance floor. It was amazing. It's just it just creates such an amazing atmosphere. Live music, doesn't it? It's just nothing like it. I love it. Yeah,
0: I agree. You mentioned sustainability earlier, Rosie, and that's a, I mean, it's something that's just pervading through industries everywhere at the moment, which is fantastic and perhaps a good thing that's come out of COVID. Now, the wedding industry is completely wrought with lack of sustainability. Now, how would you, how do you translate that into your clothing?
2: Yeah, so we we always say that Bridal wear is actually one of the biggest culprits of sort of throwaway fashion, which is completely ironic as it's probably one of the most expensive, luxurious pieces of clothing you'll probably ever buy. Yet for many people, they only wear it once, which from the start of, of us sort of founding the company, we just thought we've, we've got to find a way to change this. So we we create, as I said, mentioned earlier, lots of separates and we create jumpsuits and suits and really laid back dresses um, with the view that people can wear them again and I know that that's thrown around a lot and people say but would you actually wear it again but we we really do believe and we know that a lot of our brides do wear their outfits again Um, and for me that is one of the key ways I guess to make bridal wear a lot more sustainable is actually creating pieces that can become luxurious wardrobe items for years to come. So whether that's dyeing your outfit afterwards, whether that's working with sort of specialist um, alteration services who can make your beautiful slip dress into more of a midi style that you can even wear with like a T-shirt or on holiday or on your honeymoon. Again, separates that can be mixed and matched with more casual items. Um, And obviously with a suit, you know, that can be worn again as well so that's something we're super super passionate about and sort of separately to that there's also the kind of question about um your carbon footprint as well so a lot of a lot of pieces are made abroad and then flown back to the UK so we make absolutely everything in London and we're, we're really proud of that because um not only is it sort of supporting local businesses and local seamstresses etc but um it's also good for the planet too so They're some of the things that we're trying to do, and that I know that the industry is being challenged on a lot. The other thing is fabric wastage. Obviously, a lot of clothes are cut on the bias, which which does actually cause quite a bit of wastage um, when you actually cut the fabric. So we make sure that we're using that fabric to create, at the moment, face masks, but things like scrunchies or accessories or you know ties, things like that, to make sure we're trying to use as much of the fabric as possible. So. It's all these things, I think, when you really drill down and you really think about ways you can, you can make your business more sustainable, there are ways to do it. And I think, yeah, that is something that, that the industry is being challenged on, and I think it's something that everyone's going to have to
1: think a bit more about in the future. I agree. I think, I think we are taking up the challenge, though. As a planner, it's really important for me particularly to manage waste, and I don't, I don't like waste as a general rule. So whether that be food waste paper waste. So I'm thinking I'm thinking about to your point about the carbon footprint. A lot of the weddings that I do, we transport guests from one location to another. To reduce the amount of individual cars, taxis, etc. that people are taking, we will organize the transport to take people, whether it's a coach or whatever, from one place to the other. Coming to the point of paper goods, stationary suites are so important to, you know, weddings and to couples, the menus, the invitations, etc. But I often try within my designs that I work with clients to minimise the number of individual sort of paper elements we're doing for, for their paper suite. Because ultimately they just get recycled or go in the bin. It's important for things like orders of service. I'm doing a wedding at the moment where the order of service is essentially going to be a keepsake. So we're investing a lot in that because it is something that the couple want the guest to take away with them very personalised and really important, which is, again, a great way to avoid that paper wastage. When it comes to food, a lot of clients and prospective clients, often, you know, the first thing they say when we're breaking down the the budget and doing our plan is, oh, I want to have wedding favours. Personally, not a fan of wedding favours because it's one of the most wasteful elements of a wedding reception. The amount of times we end up throwing things in the bin because people don't want another mini candle. No one goes to a wedding going, I cannot wait to take that little cactus plant home with me. And I don't mean to be facetious, but truth be told, if it was a a choice that you gave your guests, I'm sure they would appreciate you putting that money into something else. When we talk to our florists and our floral designers who we work with, really important. A lot of florists, I have to say, are very mindful of sustainability no longer using floral foam, only recommending and suggesting flowers that are in season and grown in England. Because obviously if you choose exotic flowers or out of season flowers, they're getting flown from wherever they're coming from. And again, not very sustainable. And even after the wedding, I always recommend where possible that if the clients are going to take away the majority of the flowers that we donate them to charities, Uh, there are plenty of charities at the moment who will take um, wedding flowers you know, break them down into smaller arrangements and deliver them to nursing homes, old people's homes, so that, you know, those flowers have a life beyond that one day event. So again, reducing waste. So those are some of the things that I'm very mindful of when I'm planning. And I think the industry has demonstrated, as I said, example being florists, um, that they are being very mindful of at the moment as well.
0: So actually, with proper advice from your bridal dressing to the actual planning, there's endless ways that you can make it much more sustainable and from the transport of what you're including, I agree completely, I think that's fantastic and it's really important to think about those elements. So it's, I mean, the planet is one thing and all of that, which is a much bigger picture, but also spending your own money wisely because it's a very costly exercise, which is one question is where should brides or couples focus their budget? Other than their wedding dresses, of course. <laughs>
1: It's a big question because, as I said, you know, it comes down to their priorities. Ultimately, you know, the key things and the biggest investments when you're planning will be where you have host your wedding. If you're not fortunate enough to have a lovely family home or someone loan you their backyard or space or whatever it is, the biggest investment as part of your wedding is going to be the venue. And then after that, it's food and beverage. Your second biggest cost, essentially. So. As a given, that's where your budget is going to be spent. And then, then then after that, coming back to that conversation we had about priorities, if music is your priority, then you might want to spend a little bit more on getting a, a show band rather than just a DJ or a playlist. If look and feel is m- the most important to you, then you're probably going to have to invest in florals and other touches for decor But again, coming back to our conversation about sustainability as well, I want to mention is a lot of couples who do their own weddings, so DIY weddings, buy a lot of stuff. And if there's one thing that I could say to couples who are doing a DIY wedding is hire things, don't buy them. Because you will buy something thinking, oh yeah, I can always put this on eBay. But once your wedding is done and you're exhausted, the last thing you want to do is start listing individual items on eBay and waiting for those to be sold or whatever it is. There are loads of wonderful decor companies that you can hire, props, chairs, furniture, especially if you're doing a dry hire wedding. All of that sort of stuff helps to that you know, sustainability point that we're saying because it avoids waste. Those things will be collected by the company and they'll go back and be, continue to be reused. Budget focus is very much dependent on what your priorities are.
2: I think it's also just focus your budget on the things that are going to give you the best memories and make you have the most fun on the day. So, you know, we were talking about music earlier, like that was so important to me. And I thought, you know what, I'd rather spend money on getting a great band that is going to set the dance floor on fire than, you know, maybe the wedding favours that we were talking about earlier, which can actually be <laughs> incredibly expensive. No one, can, exactly, no one goes to a wedding for the wedding favours usually. I would definitely say invest it on the things that are going to make you have the best experience.
0: For both of you,
1: what's your favourite part of a wedding? For me, it's actually the ceremony because that is the soul of the wedding. Hearing your clients exchange their vows, make their promises to each other is actually really, I find it really emotional because I've got to know them over X period of time and seeing it all come together outside of the event itself. But this this is an important day for them, a milestone in their relationship. I am not a crier, but I find myself so emotional during wedding ceremonies. It's unreal. And then my second favorite moment is usually when people are getting just a little bit too loose on the dance floor. The uncles are out, ties are on heads. People have taken their high heels off. That is another one of my favorite moments because I can step back and watch people having the absolute best time knowing that A, we've achieved what we set out to do execute an amazing wedding for our clients but also I just love watching people having the best time so that's one of my other favorite parts of the wedding
0: that's fantastic I'm actually a crier so I'm with you on that <laughs> I, cry, I cry all weddings Rosie
2: I'm the same I I honestly cry at every single wedding and I think sounds so mushy, but my favourite bit is definitely when that moment where the bride just turns down and is at the, the sort of top of the aisle or wherever she's walking down. Oh, it just gives me goosebumps every time. And it's just the look on everyone's face and the little gasp. It's just, it's just so magical because this is what everything's been building to, basically, isn't it? That moment where you're about to marry the person that you love. And I know that's so cheesy, but it, is, it just gets me every time. It's true. It's one of those rare
0: things that's actually like the movies yeah in real life it absolutely is when life imitates art rosie what for you is the most memorable wedding dress that you've worked on
2: so i think when we first started the company we were obviously just starting out we didn't have loads of investment we, we just started it ourselves from scratch in our spare time and when we finally got to a piece to a point where we had five pieces, we had no sort of permanent space. We just were visiting people in their homes. They were trying on their, our, our pieces in their living rooms. And it was the first time that a bride said, yeah, this is my wedding dress. And it was actually a jumpsuit, which, again, was so special because it was such a risk for us to do a jumpsuit. At the time, it wasn't really a thing that people wore jumpsuits to their wedding and she said, This is this is what I want to wear. I've never felt so amazing in it. And um, and we made her, her her jumpsuit. And she looked incredible, she felt incredible. She wrote us the most amazing email afterwards, sort of saying how how special she'd felt. And that for me was just the most special, the most special moment. From a professional point of view, it was the first time someone had had bought a piece from us that we'd worked so hard on and it was also a jumpsuit which I thought was incredibly cool and it they they felt so amazing in it and it's just there's nothing like it really to think that you've created that piece for someone on such a special day.
0: Yeah, it's a massive responsibility and honor for someone to go yes, I'm going to wear your design for what could be the most important special day of my life. So yeah.
2: Yeah, that's
0: For my I had 3 days and for the first day I wore like a Western sari of sorts. So it was a blouse, so it was a separate and a skirt which you could wrap around and put over with a bit of a trail. But by you know, twelve o'clock I was exhausted. So it was perfect because you unwrap it and it was just sequin trousers underneath.
2: Oh my god, I love that. That sounds so good. Now I'm
0: ready to party. I took my shoes off, I just had the top and the trousers. It was uh, perfect. Um and then sounds you could amazing. wear them separately. So the blouse I'll wear with a skirt, the trousers yeah. I'll wear with a shirt the story I'll wear with something else. You've got four outfits in one, which is super. I love it. I love it, yeah. Yeah, even my wedding dress, I'm like, I'm not getting a white dress because I'm never going to wear it again. Tonight, I, what is the
1: most memorable wedding that you've worked on? I would say it was the first sort of big wedding that I did. 3J wedding, 140 guests, a lot of people from coming from abroad. It was a really lovely experience, but also my first big wedding, and'll always I will always remember it because i w- I felt like I was under so much pressure to prove myself and to almost validate my own choice to move into this industry, to leave corporate life behind and jump into the wedding world. and it's you know, they're wonderful clients who are friends, lifelong friends, and it was just a, an amazing. Amazing weekend. Final question, ladies. What do you believe is the passport to
0: the perfect wedding? Chennai.
1: Passport to the perfect wedding, as cheesy as it sounds, is just being true to yourselves. Whatever you envision your day being, try not to be too influenced. I appreciate different cultural settings. There's a lot of input from family. And, you know, it's really important to obviously respect cultures and our heritage. But ultimately, it's your day. We all only ever intend to do it once. Therefore, getting the perfect day for you is all about being true to the things that are important to you and what you want for your wedding.
2: I would totally second that, and I think also just to just to say, just remember in all the chaos, it, you know, it can become a crazy time planning a wedding. But in in all the chaos, just remember what it's all about. And um, we always say to to our brides, if you can during the day, just take a minute for you and your your partner to to just walk walk a bit away from everything and look back at the party and just think everyone's here to celebrate us and. This is what it's all about. And we've done it, basically. We've, you know, we've got married and that that is the most important thing, really.
0: Brilliant. Well, I wish you both a very happy year of beautiful weddings, bouncing back and lots of happy couples. Where can our listeners follow you on social media?
1: Well, if you are looking for a luxury wedding planner who can help you plan your wedding in England or abroad, follow by Chennai on Instagram, that's at B Y C H E N A I. I can also be found on my website, which is www.bychennai.com. And for all things fashion
2: inspiration and for sleek, minimal, chic outfits, you can find us um, at The Own Studio um, on Instagram, and then our website is at TheOwnStudio.com. Or you can come and visit us in Shoreditch in London if you want an appointment.
0: Thank you both for your time at what is, I'm sure, an incredibly busy period with weddings picking up. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We have some great women in our season two, and we would love you to check back in and listen to them. So far, we've explored travel journalism. We've gone behind the scenes at our favourite hotels with our favourite hoteliers, We've explored the world through food. And most importantly, we have discussed the future of travel, travel post-COVID. If you're enjoying our podcast, please do share, comment, like, subscribe, or just drop us a note and let us know. Available on iTunes and Spotify. Happy listening.